everyone! Welcome to the 52nd episode of In The Between. My name is Nadia. And this is Danny. Hi! <laughs> Hi! It's been a while. Yes. We've been swamped. Mm-hmm. And then we neglected you. We're so sorry. <laughs> but then we um, We've got kind lots. of came to our senses. And then we were like, let's let's plug our, yeah. um, our the things that our friends are doing and uh, we hope that you're having a great time exploring all the things that are available now online so exciting yeah yeah i'm looking forward to many 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 of them um and a lot of them will be recorded for those of us who are on a weird time zone like the other day i was on a 3 a.m talk and i was just like oh my brain i can't believe you are <laughs> yeah. there at 3 a.m for the talk <laughs> I, know, I was, I was like danny is recorded you can watch it later I know. Yeah. yeah but you just wanted to catch it live <laughs> yeah and fresh exactly yes. Okay, so today we've got hmm. really exciting stuff. Uh, we've been waiting for these books for a long time. They, Months. Yeah, we've yeah. Or, we ordered them right at the beginning of the lockdown and obviously shipping has been affected. Mm-hmm. So these amazing books are from the Myanmar Photo Archive, which is an yeah. independent archive that started in 2014, I believe. Right. And they created these amazing books that I think came to Singapore as part of an exhibition at um, DEC, um, an independent photography space in Singapore, which is right across the road from La Salle. And they're just so amazing. So today we're going to be talking about photo studios and, and photo, photographs that are taken in fo- photo studios. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the very interesting things that came from this particular book, so this is a set of studio photographs taken in Yangon in Myanmar um, in the 1970s Um, and what they say here is that in the 1970s there was a lot of like political um, oppression and things going on in in Myanmar, Burma Uh, but um, the photo studio became a place of fashion expression and freedom and a lot of it was um, university students kind of uh, experimenting with their looks and mixing all these amazing Western uh, silhouettes and fashion looks that they would get custom made in the local tailor shops with sometimes um, local textiles. So you see this amazing photograph, for example, of a very um, make, mix and match kind of idea of like Western silhouettes with local uh, Burmese um, traditional textiles. Mm-hmm. And the other book that we have is called Irene, a Burmese icon. And what I like about this is that it's just dedicated to one person, mm-hmm. you know. So it's um it's a personal wardrobe and you see her in images, you know, just doing things on the daily, you know, like reading a book, <laughs> looking beautiful. Um, and the forward is very poignant. I think, you know, especially with... Um, Kin Tutu, who wrote, you know, I think photography is about memory. Photography archives serve a purpose in preserving these memories for us. And um, the note is that, you know, Irene's fashion and style were preserved. And it also gives us a glimpse, because it's a memory, right, of what life was like uh, for her as a young woman. You know, and what I like most about looking at vintage photographs is that there are just so many details you can choose to focus on. Yeah. And you can imagine, you know, the stories that come with that, like what she was doing before, what she did after, why she was even taking that photograph in the first place, what are the clues in the background for the kind of life she led. 
um, both internally and you know if, with her circumstances and surroundings. Yeah. yeah. So they're a bit different. Irene has mm. some shots that are like in situ, so outside on the streets, and they give you a different perspective. Whereas this one's Yangon Fashion 1979, Fashion Equals Resistance, is really situated purely in the photo studio. And I thought that was so interesting because a few weeks ago, I was introducing to my students this photographer called James Van Der Zee, who also used the fashion, sorry, the, the photo studio as a space for dreaming and for um, taking photographs of black um, Harlem residents in the 1930s um, and 40s and kind of picturing them as they wanted to be seen, not necessarily how they were seen by society because at that time it was very difficult to be black in, um, in, in America. So in these photographs, you see them in like lush, beautiful garments, you see them um, really noble and you see them being portrayed how they wish to be perceived, how they perceive themselves with respect, with elegance, with poise and they're really amazing photographs. And then um, another photo studio photographer that I came across before that reminded me of these ideas about capturing a time just using the four walls of a plain photo studio was Malik Sibide who I came across in the photographer's gallery in London. And similarly, he began shooting um, the 1960s in Mali, um, post-independence and like all this youth subculture. But then he ended up being very known for studio photography. So he would get his um, subjects to pose in very dynamic ways. And the photographs are full of movement, even though they are in a static photo studio. Mm. I agree with you. I mean, it's a space for dreaming, right? This photography studio, it's away from society's eyes. Um, it's a very intimate relationship between the subject who has voluntarily gone to this photography studio and wants to portray himself or herself in a specific way, in a way that may be different from the lived reality. So when um, we were discussing this uh, episode, I was telling Danny that there's another exhibition that I really enjoyed is called Rediscovering Photog uh, Forgotten Thai Masters of Photography and it's a project by a Thai artist called Manit Sriwanich Pum. It was first um, in Singapore at the NUS Museum from 2018 to 2019 and what I liked about this is that it gathered images taken in Thailand during the 1950s, um, 60s and 70s by seven photographers I'm not going to read all their names out here because I'm very sure I'm going to botch them. Um, but we will uh, give the information in the caption. But basically, these were 247 remastered prints. And it just gives a glimpse of life in Thailand. So they are, mm. you know, um, post shots, casual shots. Some of them are very fashionable indeed, you know. So there is uh, an attempt to make it fashionable. And it's just such a rich archive of lives lived, you know, that is away from the master narrative of like, what is Thai history or what is Burmese history? Mm -hmm. Because usually when we think about history, we think about like a meta narrative that is looking at, you know, major political events, you know, major um, life events that kind of permeate society. But we often neglect like, you know, the individual, yes. right? The smaller group, the marginalized groups. Yeah. And it's so rewarding to look at these photographs and see uh, a fuller picture of what history was like. Yeah. Yeah. I think the other interesting thing about studio photography is that it comes from very 
kind of colonial um, ideas of like ethnography as well, like mm. of kind of um, archiving the different cultures of the world and then sharing these images with the West. So post-independence, post-coloniality um, in Africa and in other parts of the world, when studio photographers are the locals themselves photographing their own people, I feel that you see something very exciting happen, like what we can see in Malik Sivide's photography, where there is dynamic movement, there is lives lived, and not like a stage culture of how the photographer thinks um, this culture lives or what mm. represents this culture, but instead how they actually live in real life. And that's what I find so interesting about um, studio photography, especially from these times. And in contemporary times, uh, one of my favorite ones is um, a Moroccan artist known as Hassan Hajaj. I first came across his portraits when I saw MIA's portraits. Um, mm, I love MIA. Yeah, and she had this video for Bad Girls um, that featured um, Moroccan uh, a Moroccan girl uh, bike gang. And they were photographed first by Hassan Hajaj. And he again does these amazing settings that uses like African um, materials for the backdrops and things like ten, uh, canned tuna for the for the borders. Mm -hmm. He's even photographed people like Cardi B, and he's just like so amazing. And I um, I, I really love his work. It's very exuberant. It's beautiful. It's like dynamic. And again, it's this idea of the photo studio, even though it's all made up. And coming closer to home, we have uh, Sajif Photo Studio, which started as just a photo studio to kind of um, help um, migrant workers in Singapore take really nice uh, portrait images of themselves to send back home. And he became very well known for like um, having a 100% success rate <laughs> in like matchmaking them um, when they send pictures back home to for, for marriage, for arranged marriages and so on. And in 2015, he even had his own exhibition at Objectives, which is the Center for Photography and Film in Singapore. And you could see all these like really amazing photographs of like migrant workers against these very kish backdrops. Um, and until now, um, the photography studio is still in Little India. And even though everything is now digital and not film photography, he still has these backdrops and many people um, go there to to get these uh, shots taken because there's something very earnest about the kish uh, aspect of the mm. backdrops and the props yeah. that he has. I mean, the saturated colours is just so, like, it's so aware of how kitsch it is, yeah. right? That it's just like, I'm just going to embrace it, which is really nice. And I, I mean, you took photos there too. Yeah, so I <laughs> recently took photos there uh, for my anniversary and they were so kind, they even let us bring our dog so we could have, like, a, a family, family portrait. portrait and... Um, you could choose your props and your backdrop and it was, yeah, that idea of like the photo studio as a place for like capturing that moment, even though it's totally set up and staged, it still is reality and it's a reality that you wish to portray and I think that's why what makes them so relevant and, and still such a, something to, to keep. You know? Yeah. Well, that reminds me also of another studio I've been following recently called Hipsyong uh, Photo Studio. Hipsyong is actually Hokkien for like take picture. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Hokkien is a dialect um, for, for the Chinese. And 
they do um, wet plate photography. So mm. it's Singapore's only wet plate photography studio. And it's so fun to see the images they have um, in their Instagram feed. Uh, and I think the reason why is that it's just so jarring that, you know, such contemporary photographs are done in these really old type methods, of yeah. um, methods with this old type of look. Yeah. So, I don't know. I just find like photographs, um, you know, you have to make an effort to take them. And after you do, you sometimes forget about them. And then you look back, you know, even like with Facebook, you know, they will tell you a year later, oh, gosh, here, here you are again. And you're like, wow, yeah, I don't remember that. Or like, wow, has that been a year already? You know, so it's. It's just really timely reminders of how time just passes. Yeah. And on that nostalgic note, <laughs> thank you so much for listening, for watching. We really appreciate it. Um, if you like what you hear with us, me and Danny, please subscribe to us on Instagram at Indivitrine. We're also um, putting this up as a podcast episode if you prefer to not see us which is fine um, and just listen to us you can find us on Apple Podcasts Spotify and SoundCloud thank you very much <laughs> <laughs>